0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision-for-you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 18th, (coughs) 2016. Today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 23, chapter, There is A Solution. We're going to begin and read three paragraphs today, starting with Once in a While. Today's readers are, for the Twelve Steps, Tina S., the Twelve Traditions, Betty W., our readers for the text are Due, first initial L of her last name, Mary B., and Santa H. The reference number for Sunday's special edition on January 17th, 2016, is 8388. That's 8388, and that's a personal story of a transformation entitled Live It Forward, Understand It Backward by a Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Santa. Okay, um, the OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tina S. to please read the 12 Steps.
1: Thanks, Janice, for your service. Tina as Compulsive Eater Anorexic from Florida. And these are the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive our readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and I pass.
0: And thank you, Tina S. I will now ask Betty W. to please read the 12 Traditions of OA.
2: Good morning, Janice, and thank you again for your service. Um, The 12 traditions. um, This is Betty W. from Central New York, and I'm a compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. OA as such ought never to be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, is Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities.
0: And thank you, Betty W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for our recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Today, we're resuming our study in the big book on page 23, the second paragraph, Once in a While. I will now ask Do L. to please begin reading.
3: Good morning. It says, Once in a while he may tell the truth, and the truth, strange to say, is usually that he has no more idea why he took the first drink than you have. Some drinkers have excuses with which are satisfied part of the time, but in their hearts, they really do not know why they do it. Once this malady has a real hold, they are baffled lot. There is the obsession that somehow, someday, they will beat the game, but they often suspect they're down for the count. How true this is, few realize. In a vague way, their families and friends sense that these drinkers are abnormal, But everybody hopefully awaits the day when the sufferer will rouse himself from his lethargy and assert his willpower, um, his power of will. In the paragraph we're going to be concentrating on it says, the tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, the happy day may not arise. He has lost control. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into the state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is absolutely of no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is, sus- is suspe- suspected. Excuse me. And good morning. This is uh, Duel, um, Reco- uh Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. And I'm trying to put my timer on. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Um, so yes, what, what I see here is that if you're the true alcoholic, the real alcoholic, you know, there's two things that are happening to you um, Here is One, um, if I pick up my binge foods, um, I'm off to the races. I can't stop once I start. And once I put it down, what happens to me is what the doctor's opinion describes as being restless, irritable, and discontent, because now I you know I am going through that withdrawal period, and my mind keeps bringing back to the food, keeps bringing back to um, uh, that obsession that you know that someday somehow I will beat the game that you know that even though I know I'm down for the count. I'm going to be able to, to control it. I'm going to be able to do something about it. And it says if you're the real alcoholic, you have no control. You have no control. You have no control when it comes to your mental obsession. You have no control when it comes to your physical allergy. Um, you know That's why we need a, a spiritual experience that will help us to overcome that. Um, and it says, at certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes to a state where mo- the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. And he doesn't particularly know what's going on with him. I know when I was a compulsive eater and did not know about program, I, I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know why I ate the way I did. I didn't know... Why I couldn't put the food down and keep it down. Why, you know, what it was that I would go endlessly eating, eating. And then when I tried to be obstinate, I, I couldn't, you know, because I kept going back to the food. This time it's going to be different. This time it's going to be different. This time it's going to be different. And it was never different. And even though others suspected that, you know, that I was um, this glutton and that I was <laughs> someone that had um, an abnormality with my eating you know, they didn't know what to do either. They didn't know that, you know, that I had this physical phenomenon that once I put in certain uh, foods, I go out of control. We can't explain that. We don't know what that is. It's an X factor that can't be explained. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, again, with the mental obsession, it's, it's just that once I put the food down, I obsess and obsess and obsess about getting back to that food until I get that ease and comfort that comes with that bite but you know um the big book is going to show us the way out you know that that even though we don't have control we have choices and and that's what I learned through program that I do have a choice um you know of doing this differently and that you know the big book is going to show us exactly how to make that choice how to have that choice to get out of the food and with that I pass.
0: And thank you, Duell. Okay. We're going to <clears throat> focus our comments on the uh, paragraph that begins with the tragic truth. So, who would like to comment uh, for about 3 minutes on what was read?
4: Judy. Sally. This is
5: Bella
0: Kenheiser. I hear, hear Katie F. I hear Sally, and I QDF. hear Bell- I'm sorry, who?
5: Judy. West. it was Judy F.
0: I'm so sorry. Okay, Judy, yeah, yeah, Judy. F. Yeah. Oh, Judy. Judy F. <laughs> yes. Sally and Bella. Vasa Bella O. G. And Vasa O. Anyone else? Okay, let's go with those four. Judy F., please hear us. Can you hear me? Judy I can F? hear you. Yeah.
5: Oh, great. Thank you, Janice, for your service. This is Judy F., food addict, compulsive overeater, recovered in Massachusetts. Great to be here this morning and boy this this really tells me the nature of oh let me just put on my uh there we go um the nature of my compulsive overeating that I've lost all control i lost control i had i I had control for a while i um would first control that I would just um Pig out, we called them pig out parties on the weekends, and then I would be, quote, good during the week, and then it was I was good all day, and then I would um, let go or lose some control at night, and then it was using the exercise to try to control it, and then it was using the laxatives to try to control the weight, but I still, oh, the progression was I lost more and more control, and I remember my. My parents and my friends around me, um, that they they saw me having willpower in other ways. Like I was when I was on a diet, I did it religiously. I never went off it. But as soon as I was quote at goal weight, then all bets were off, and I lost control. And then more and more down that progression, even my willpower around all the different. Ways of trying to control it with the exercise, with the with the laxative, with the purging. They, I had I lost more and more willpower, and I had willpower in other areas, but in this case, because I am a compulsive overeater, it it didn't matter. Willpower, there was no um, willpower, and I had the most powerful desire to stop drinking, but it didn't matter. I remember waking up saying, "This today, I'm going to stay." with my abstinent meals and before I knew it I was in the food because that that mind just overpowered the thought that it was a good idea to pick up that I needed the food to get through my day it was my higher power that overrode any thought of this is going to land me in the food again and that's where I was a true compulsive overeater and the truth is I had no power of myself, and thank you, God, I was brought to my knees and to desperation that I was willing to put down the food and work the steps because it is a fatal illness for me, and I know if I if I stop my 10, 11, and 12 and my relationship with God and my relationship with other compulsive overleaders and I don't do what I know I need to do, um, God has given me this gift, but I have a part in it. And, um, and this is a beautiful, beautiful program, one day at a time. Um, but I do need to know the nature of my illness. And I'm I'm recovered, but I'm not cured. And with that, I trust.
0: And thank you so much, Judy. F. Okay, Sally, A. it is your turn.
4: Good morning, Janice. And thank you so much for your service to all of us. Good morning. A vision for you. It's Sally A. we covered some Pulse of Overeater. And I wanted to speak to this last sentence here. He passed into a state where the most powerful desire to stop, in our case, eating, binging, is of absolutely no avail. Because I have a progressive disease, and I watched through years and years of my focus on the food, and abstinence. I saw how I was not able to trust myself. I had lied to myself so many times that today would be the day that I would stop to the point that there came a day where I didn't believe myself. I didn't believe that I was going to stop and I would have that mental twist. Why are you going to start today? You know you're not going to make it today. Why bother trying? Why don't you just start tomorrow, and today would be another day of binging. And so when it speaks about this, passing into a state where the most powerful desire to stop binging is of absolutely no avail. And page 34 talks a little bit more about the state of being able to stop. Page 34 it tells us right in the middle of the page, for those who are unable to drink moderately, that would be me. The question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. And so I am becoming more and more clear about this point, about the the ability for me to stop. This is not something that is within my ability of myself. This is a boil down to my connectivity. I heard this said early this morning. I heard it said, the addiction, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connectivity. And that's what the big book is telling us. We must get connected. On page 94 it says, and I'm going to end with this, it is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your attempt, plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Connectivity to each other, connectivity to our higher power. That's the solution, the only way to stop. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass.
0: And thank you, Sally A. Bella G., you are up.
6: Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. A state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. Wow. This is for me the beginning of living in peaceful mind because this is for me the way to stop the war. Till I came to the program, my life was in a war. I was in a war with everybody, I was in a war with myself. I was in a war with God. Thank you, God. Now that I am in the program, doing the the steps, living in the steps, I am living in freedom because today, that's it. I got to know that I don't have control. And thank you, God. I learn now that I don't have control, and I have the power, the power of choices. Yes, I learn that I am limited. I am limited. I don't know everything, and I can learn to choose, to choose all the time. And it's okay sometimes to do mistakes and not to choose the right right thing. This is why we are connected to God. God trusts us, and this is the end of the war. Yes, today I am connected to a loving power that I can, I can do choices. I am not fighting anymore with my control because I don't have, and it's not only with eating and with food. It's with all other areas in my life that I have to remember that I don't have control Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Okay, thank you, Bella G. Vasa, oh, it is your turn.
7: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Janice, thank you very much for your service. Good to be here with every one of you, and I am a grateful recovering compulsive leader calling from Florida. And again, as the previous uh, paragraphs are talking, I had no, I had no clue, I had no idea why I couldn't put the food down, and I did suffer from the food addiction for many 25 years of my life. It's not like I did not try to put it down. I exerted all my power and me that I could, but I always went back to it. Once I picked it up, the mental obsession would start, and I would start eating again and again um, this was before I came to the program and I was led into this program uh, by my higher power which I call God 12 steps and the big book and as I said there was no more left power in me to control it food then my progress. the food was getting progressive I didn't reach yet a certain like i hadn't gained like 50 or 100 pounds yet by then i was suffering maybe with 30 pounds and i just could not stop that was that was it. i gave into the food addiction so by my my connection to my power was to, to get on my knees this is my it's for me this is what i did to humble myself and to get on my knees and just to surrender please god help me i cannot do this by myself but I was also shown. I brought somebody, um, somebody brought me in the 12-step program, and they told me, I, "I, you know, we read the big book. We read the first edition, how the 100 men and women recovered and the doctor's opinion, the allergy, the solution. I was so elated to finally, finally find out what the problem was and what the solution was. What a relief, you know. That I could put those foods down. I wish I could say it was easy to put the, uh, my allerg- allergic foods down. I was going through the withdrawals, the mental obsession, the craving. And uh, I, did, I wanted to get on, you know, I wanted to cry like a little baby. I wanted those foods, but I would always ask God, get on my knees, please help me. And I threw myself into the 12 steps and the big book and the meetings and that was the solution for me, and I haven't left, and that's what's working. I'm giving, passing it on to other people. This is, the, this is my, my, my giving back what has been given to me so freely from people that had gone before me and from my higher power. Now my, it's, I have to give it away to keep it. Thank you, and I pass.
0: And thank you, Vasa Oh. Okay, is there anyone else that would like to comment on that paragraph. Kim G, Carol Larry, I'm going to uh, just start over again. I hear Kim G, and Carol I hear G. Le- Oh, Carol G? I'm sorry.
8: Oh, boy.
9: I'm <laughs> it, was, it was Kim as well.
0: Okay, I'm going to tell you... Both who, sides well, of the pond. I'm, okay, I'm going to tell you who I heard <laughs> first. Okay, let's go again. Kim G... All righty, and then I heard Larry, and then we'll get you in there, Carol G, and there were some others. W- C. Who's
10: Who was that? Who was that? Again?
0: Sarah W. Mal- Melissa I heard- C. Oh, okay, that's who I heard. Melissa C., and then I heard Sarah W. Let's go with that, and then if we'll have more time. Thank you. Kim G., you are up.
9: Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovery compulsive overeater from South Jersey. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. You know, I, I think of that idea, you know, I always thought I was just in denial. You know, I'm just in denial. And the influence of denial is that I knew the truth and just chose not to do it. What the big book talks about, specifically and more about alcoholism, is that I am delusional. I am delusional. I believe it's true that I can moderate my drinking. I believe it's true that I have a choice. I believe it's true that it's not the first bite. It's the fourth, the fifth, or the sixth bite. You know, I used to talk often here, and this is just for me personally again. You know, the problem is I have a built-in forgetter. I just forget. And if, the, if that was truly my problem, then the solution would be to remember. But I can't remember. Why? Because I'm delusional, because I've lost the power of choice. I don't. To work on trying to remember is not enough for someone who's an alcoholic of my type. Because let me tell you, towards the end, the delusion was I didn't want to binge. What I wanted was just to take the edge off. I just need to take the edge off. Because I believed the problem wasn't that I had to stop eating, the problem was I had to moderate. The problem was that food and weight was my problem. Which is why for quite a few years in LA what I would do is I would go and I would have two slices of pizza and directly go to a meeting. That was my plan of attack because I felt as like maybe I wouldn't be able to stop eating the pizza. But I could moderate the pizza as long as I used you people, the fellowship, which is so strong. And you know what? At certain times, that would work. And that would increase my delusion that I can moderate, decrease, increase that delusion that as I get to a certain goal weight, I can go back and have those foods virally. You know, I recently saw on a Facebook page, someone said the difference between a compulsive overeater and a non-compulsive overeater is 300 calories. Because if we eat those 300 calories, then we've overeaten. That is another delusion. Food and weight is not my problem. Allergy to the body, permanent condition, permanent condition. Never can eat those foods again. And the mental obsession will always convince me to eat unless that's removed through this step process and the connection with the higher power. And I have personally, I have reached that certain point many, many years ago. And with that, I
11: pass.
0: And thank you, Kim G. Larry Kaye, it's your turn.
11: Hey, Janice, good morning. Larry Kaye, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. So I'm gonna focus on one word uh, right here, which is willpower. See, you know, willpower, um, in my mind, it, it doesn't exist. It never had, and it never, it never will. There's merely action and inaction. That's it. And you know, there's a universal principle for for realizing potential. Things, you know, can can flourish spontaneously when conditions are right. Um, and instead of relying on this thing we call willpower, we we create those conditions in advance. And, you know, the thing that I go back to, see, willpower, even if you say, well, yeah, it does, willpower, I, I know what that means. Well, with, with food, see, because of my condition, the allergy of the body and obsession of my, the mind, mostly the obsession of the mind, I, I cannot apply willpower, even if I thought it exists, which it doesn't. Yeah. But it's kind of like a sequoia seed. It's, it, that's a, a pretty, you know, is unimpressive thing. It's only about an inch long smaller than an apricot pit and if you drop it on if i drop that sequoia seed on concrete or linoleum nothing's going to happen yet it contains you know the complete blueprint for creating a huge sequoia tree you know one of the oldest largest uh, organisms on the planet so the seed has the potential to become something pretty impressive, but when it's stuck in the wrong spot, it just shrivels up and, 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 and gets eaten by birds, you know? And on the other hand, let's say, you know, this sequoia seed fell on some nice uh, moist earth, and and, and then, uh, you know, a donkey comes by and, and and has the urge to bury the seed under a big, you know, steaming pile of donkey dung. Now that seed's got a chance. And it's it's innately... Built in within it, it'll start to grow spontaneously. It doesn't have to think about it. It's first, at first, kind of a wispy little thing, and then it puts out a root, and, and then becomes self-sustaining. And that's pretty soon, it'll be its own little ecosystem and provide shelter and food for thousands of other creatures. So, the the thing for me is sometimes the right conditions about preventing, you know, harmful events. You know, if if a bird swoops down and eats the seed, end of story. So we we as people we have a similar scenario. We have vast amounts of, of potential within ourselves, and more, you know, for me, I just wasn't able to tap into this as much as possible. You know, I had to have the right conditions. The steps allowed me. This program allowed me to create those those right conditions. So I wasn't dropped like a seed on linoleum. That's what I was. I was a seed on linoleum. You know, I I wouldn't take root. The steps unblocked me so that I would have access to this thing I call a higher power to enable me to take roots. I don't need the food anymore. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: And thank you so much, Larry Kay. Carol G., it is your turn. You're up.
8: Thank you, Janice, for your service. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Carol G., compulsive ovary to recover for today. Control, I could talk about control for hours, but... I can really get into thinking um, far too much. And I like that saying, you know, I can swap drinking for thinking. This book is like a tailor-made suit. It fits perfectly, but only if I see my life on the pages. I have to own it, and that's how it works for me. Um, What can I pass on today about control? I have to change the words in this paragraph in every single moment because... What I try to control changes all the time. So, for example, let's give you some examples. I mean, I know I've lost control over my food millions and millions of times, but then I have to look at some of the small things that turn into big things. What have I lost control of now, say, in today? This is not happening for me right now, but I'm giving you an example. I can lose the control. I can lose the desire to stop tampering with my food plan. I can lose the desire to stop overeating, I can lose the desire to stay abstinent, I can lose the desire to live a full life, I can lose the desire to be mum of the year and turn into a screaming banshee. I mean, I can lose control of anything. If something's not going my way, I feel as if I'm losing control, fear sets in, and if I'm not taking inventory, I can lose control, even as a recovered person, so... Why tell me in this, in this page that I'm so doomed? Why tell me in this chapter that things are so terrible that I can't control myself? It's because I'm being brought to this really great place where deep, deep, deep down in my heart, I'll see and feel and believe that my life run by me is badly done. That I'm going to really be moved into wanting and needing and have to have a power greater than myself. And that's the message that they're going to give me on page 24. And one of the things that I always used to do was whenever I was having a bad day, I'd look at page 24 after I'd read page 23 and think, thank goodness there's a solution. Pass it on. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Pass. Well, thank you, Carol G.
0: Melissa C. It is your turn.
10: Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, at a certain point, the most powerful desire to stop drinking or eating is of absolutely no avail. And this happened to me long before I even suspected it. Um, My big problem is that my disease is so skilled that it can convince me that I don't even have the desire to stop. It has told me, I don't care, it doesn't matter, I'll start again. And sometimes the desire would not even be able to be summoned up. Um, You know, or crazier, desire would not be able to be silenced by the I don't care syndrome. And that was the greatest torture, was caring, wanting desperately to stop, and yet I could not. You know, sometimes I could string a few days together, even at, you know, crazy times. It could be months. I could string some time together because I really, really wanted it. But I could not stay stopped because my desire was not enough to combat this disease. You know, my desire was of no avail. It says no avail, no help, no use. Um, I cannot use my desire. My desire is not helpful for arresting this disease. And this is crazy. It would seem that You know, if you wanted to stop something, if I wanted to stop something, I desired stopping, that would be useful and helpful. And the only thing that has been useful and helpful has been a reliance on my higher power. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about people I've sponsored and people that I've been sponsoring and how much they want to stop, you know, and, and how much I want them to stop too. And yet that's not enough. My wanting them to stop they're wanting to stop. Um, and that seems like the hardest part, tapping in, you know, in the beginning, um, tapping into a power that you're not necessarily prepared to tap into. Um, and and that's really the only ability where, um, the desire is not enough. You know, how do we help and how do we tap into a power, um, when we're so blocked, when people are so blocked and, um, you know, and my message is always just throw yourself into the steps. Don't think so much, um, just trust and rely. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass.
0: Okay. Thank you, Melissa C. Sarah W., it is your turn.
12: Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service very much. Uh, good morning, Vision to you. Sarah W., Grateful, Recovering, Compulsive, Reader. Um, I really love this paragraph. I think, um, you know, page 24 and 25 have been uh, hugely instrumental in, in finding that power. And, you know, as far as what this says and what I was thinking is, you know, the whole thing of uh, humanity in our society is that somehow you should be able to do it. You know, that autonomy of ourself should be able to drive us to the place where we can get to the place we want to be, to our goal. And, uh, you know, we, we learn it as a young child, you know, like a little kid's, uh, you know, walking and you tell that little child, you know, get up, get up once they fall. Come on, you can do it, you can do it, get up, get up, come on, come on. And I think that that whole mentality is what leads us to this place. And I was thinking about, um, you know, I started a meeting here um, in little Shenandoah, Iowa, town of 5,000, and there are about seven people that we had. And you know, the the beauty of thank God for there is a solution. The beauty of this is that um, you know, there there really is a solution. You know, we come in the doors and, you know, we're saying I'm 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 sick of my, my problem with my food, whether it be I'm under eating, I'm overeating, I'm trying to control it, I don't know how to deal with it, I'm overwhelmed with it, you know, obviously it's you know It is the last house on the block. You know, most of us have done numerous, numerous things. I know I have, you know, liquid protein, excessive um, exercise, numerous diet programs, which I have lost weight, but I never was able to keep it off. Uh, You know, just trying in any way to control, and most of us don't come here the first thing when we gain a little bit of weight and say, ah, I know OA is the place I can go. So I guess the thought is that, you know how how far are we willing to take this? And you know, really, the idea of surrender is what I what comes to mind at this point. You know, where I finally put up the white flag and I say, you know what, I have had enough. I've tried it every way I can think of, and I need to look at something else. And I have to be open enough to do that. I have to really be open enough to do that. Uh, and and like it says, the tragic situation. It, it uses uh, it uses the word tragic twice in this. You know, tragic is horrible. Uh, you know, tragic is like the worst of worst things uh, has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. You know, in the previous par- paragraph, it talks all about everybody else knows. You know, there is some sense of denial about it in our hearts. You know, maybe I can do this differently. If I just do a, tweak it a little bit, it'll work this time. And I think that's, you know, the carrot that's dangled in front of us, No, no pun intended, but the reality is, but really, if we really look at it and we're willing to finally say, "I'm ready. I'm ready to try something different," and we're willing to put all of our effort into this thing, it really can and does work. I am very grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater when that I can. Can M, star one,
11: please.
13: Janice, we don't hear you.
0: Okay, thank you. Going muting and unmuting. Um, is there anyone else that would like to um, comment on the this before we go on?
14: Rachel W.
0: Rachel W. Anyone? Leah M. Yes, and Leah M. Anyone else?
13: Roxanne T. Roxanne T.
0: Anyone else? Uh, Ronnie P. Ronnie. Ronnie P. Got it, Ronnie P. Okay, let's go. Rachel W., please go ahead.
14: Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive a reader calling from New York. You know, we ended off by reading, um, Everybody hopefully awaits the day when the sufferer will rouse himself from his lethargy and assert his power of will. You know, um, it's interesting because in that state of mind, in that state of, of drunkenness with the food, um, it, all I'm doing is exerting the power of my will, you know, and it's it's that that alignment that we so often talk about, uh, that you know that um, both W talks about in the twelve and twelve, and that the, the steps lead us into. That um, something's very off when I'm exerting the power of my will, you know, and and when I think in my life all the times that that I thought something should go my way or or what I thought should be. Um, you know, God had other plans very often. He had other plans and, and most often I would say all the time his, his plan really was the one that I, you know, was the best, you know, that, that, that given the given the same opportunity, you know, there's a saying that, you know, all of us put, if we all had a, a bag, you know, our, if our life was in a bag and we've all put it into a pile, we would choose, we would choose our stuff, you know? So, so the idea of what, what is my will um, the idea is not to exert the power of my will, you know, and that's what this program gives me is is a way that I can release that and just just lean into God and do a free fall and say, you know, this is it's not about what I want, but it's about what you want. And and, and thank God there are so many people that have walked this path, that have we've got such great literature. We've got meditation booklets that are that are you know AA approved, OA approved that we can go into and, and learn about what true acceptance is. You know, we can my sponsor sends me there all the time, you know, to do meditations from there. And um, you know, I'll just end off by saying last week there was this this thing, um, not sure if anybody heard about it, but it was called the powerball <laughs> and uh yeah, I bought a ticket and uh and yes I lost and um and uh but I crumbled up and threw it away like everybody else, most people anyway, and um in the end I took out the garbage, I said, You know what? I and I wrote in big red letters, thank you God because how do I know? How do I know that winning that Powerball wouldn't have been like the worst thing that ever happened to me. You know, so it's all about being grateful for whatever's happening and not exerting my will into my life um, as I've done, you know, so often. And thank God for this program and thank God for the people doing this with me that I can, you know, speak it out with it and know the difference between, you know, what my will is and, and leaning back and just allowing God's will to flow into my life. Thank you for letting me to share.
0: And thank you, Rachel W. Leah M., it is your turn.
13: Thank you so much, Janet. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. And that's so true. (laughs) And that's so my story, you know, that... Uh, By the time, you know, I realized, like, gosh, this is creating so much pain and agony for me, you know, I want to stop, there was no way I was able to wiggle my way out of these chains because the chains of compulsive overeating had been too soft to be felt until they were much, much, much too hard to be broken. Because the big book is going to make it very clear. I have an utter ability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. And that was truly my case i had the wish <laughs> i had the wish i had the necessity i had medical consequences going on you know high blood pressure as a young kid a shortness of breath uh high cholesterol you know uh lack of ability to be you know as mobile as as people or you know it was it was uh you know, keeping me from social situations. I felt mental torture. I felt the emotional. Turmoil of this, uh, I felt isolation, there was deep depression, there was a uh, suicidal thinking i I had the wish, and I had the necessity, but there was no way I could stop, you know, despite all that, my mind kept taking me back to that which was killing me, and i 'm not stupid, you know, I have a decent, good memory i 'm fairly bright i 'm not the sharpest uh, tool in the shed, you know when I said I was not going to act like that anymore, when I was not going to binge like that anymore, when I wasn't going to pick up that first bite anymore, when I wasn't going to eat like that anymore. I meant it. I really, really, really meant it. And then I ate again. And then I ate again, and again, and again, and again. And you know what? At those points... I had thought I was making a decision actually, oh, I'll just change my mind for this moment and I'll get back on track tomorrow. Yeah, I thought I was merely choosing to change my mind, but as I got an education and was continued to be pummeled by di- this disease, I saw the truth. I was not changing my mind. I was compelled to pick up that first bite beyond my ability to control it. And the big book's characterization of this as a mental obsession is a thought that overpowers all other thoughts. It's an obsession over which I have no mental defense. I'm powerless. I can't stop myself from thinking. I can't stop myself from picking up that which is going to kill me. (laughs) And I needed the program of recovery to remove those blocks so that I could have access to a power that could restore me to sanity and with that i pass thanks so much
0: and thank you so much leah m roxanne roxanne t is it hi janice this is roxanne
14: t in new york can you hear me oh yes i can thank you so much and thank you for your service i am uh in recovery from compulsive overeater thank god uh, I don't know when I passed. I don't know when that certain point was, but I think it was very young. Uh, although I came to Overeaters Anonymous back in 86, my goodness, it's like almost 30 years now. The disease progressed in me so much over those years because I don't think I ever really truly understood that uh powerlessness that I really need to understand, which they really bring home here, you know, in these pages when it comes to us being a true compulsive overeater and how powerless we are. Uh, the, you know, they explain the insidiousness of the disease, and, uh, uh, you know, my, my husband just lost a very good friend to pancreatic cancer on Christmas, and uh, he passed into that state where... You know, it just, you know, none of the medical stuff was helping him. And uh, there was no, you know, he didn't have that early detection. Um, And, you know, I had this, you know, I really need to
0: detect
14: that I really have this. You know, I need that detection that I I really understand that I have this disease. And, uh, you know, I think that's happened to me. And, um, thank God, there's a program of spiritual action that if I apply it, they practically guarantee I'm gonna get the power I need like you know the the first one hundred practically guarantees that I mean that's what this book is written about, and uh you know my my husband's poor friend didn't have that guarantee uh so i I'm just so grateful that I you know have a disease that you know will I will recover from. You know, through these twelve steps, and uh, that gratitude just keeps me going every day. But I gotta remember that step one issue every single day that I'm powerless over this, and I can return to this disease very easily if I let go of this spiritual program of action. Thank you so much,
0: everyone. Bye bye. And thank you so much, Roxanne T. Ronnie P. It is your turn.
15: Okay. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Thanks so much for your service. This is Ronnie P. in Pennsylvania. Um, Wow. What a great paragraph. Really good uh, insights today from people. Thank you so much to everybody on the line. Um, Even in recovery, uh, I will still go into a mode where I think, okay, I got this figured out. I've got this figured out. And um, God has a way of surprising me continually, you know. I think I have answers, and then something new will come along or happen. And um, if if I will pray for the ability to maintain my uh, willingness to be surprised, I think that's really what it is for me. I pray often for the willingness to be surprised, because God's will is very, very surprising. It's also really precise and it's kind of perfect, and it is so often not what I would have thought of or planned, but it's so much better. And um, I think even to this day I have to pray for the willingness to be surprised because I still I still want to control. You know, I really do. I want to control. Tell I'm wired up. And um, if I pray for the willingness to be surprised, then when something happens I won't look at it like, well, that shouldn't have happened, you know. As if I have all the answers of what's supposed to happen. So, um, the good part about all of it is that God's will for me is just so much more interesting. I have to say, so much more interesting than my own will and for myself. My own will is 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 um, you know to try to keep a handle on things, uh, to try to keep hold. Uh, or to try to keep, you know, newness at bay, to keep uncertainty to a manageable minimum. Um, And life gets a whole lot more interesting when I just presume that God is with me and is giving me everything I need to get through whatever it is that's in front of me. Um, And uh, my ideas of a higher power continue to evolve the longer I'm in recovery. And... um, you know, when, I, when I'm when i not sure I can even give my, you know, my frustration or my, my hope that I will have a profound and deep knowledge of God, I can give that over to God because just when I think I have it, it'll make a little turn and I won't recognize that. So when I maintain my abstinence, when I keep working the steps, when I work with others, um, my eyes can remain open. And, um, you know, it's funny, the other day I I've, I've just finished bringing somebody through the steps and I just said, boy, you know, I really need someone new. You know, I, I, I got to keep at it. And damn, <laughs> damn if the phone didn't ring. And there she was. And um, so I'm back in it again, um, back into that, um, you know, like I have a sponsor. I mean, I have a, someone to be brought through. And um, my higher power knows that's what I need. And um, so if I can... You know, keep praying for the calmness and the um you know, to see and hear and know what God
4: has for me. It is always so much better than what I could have thought. And with that I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, thank you, uh Ronnie P. Okay, we have a couple of minutes and this is Janice M and I'm just gonna finish up here. Uh with from
16: Maryland. Oh
0: can you hear me?
16: I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello?
0: I guess I guess you didn't hear me. Okay, you may go. Go ahead. We have a couple of minutes.
16: Okay, this is Rochelle from Maryland, a Grateful Recovered Food Addict. Um, thank you very much for your service, Janice, and so nice to be here on the line with everybody else. Uh, for me, what was... Uh, what really stood out was this this point about tragic. Let me see if I can find this here. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. That tragic is is so important because uh, it's like the opposite, like Alice through the looking glass, no matter how awful I may think it is, the bottom line is that tragic situation is what leads to my recovery. If I did not have that moment of, I can't do this anymore, this complete hopelessness, I would not have been able to get to the other side. So um, I am really grateful that I reached the point where uh, it was tragic. I could not do it anymore. I had no more self-discipline left. I had no more tools in my box, and for that reason I had to turn to, to God, to my higher power, and that's what gave me the freedom from this disease. So
0: pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Rochelle. Okay, our time is up and I wish to thank I wish to thank everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page one sixty four, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will uh Betty uh, it is Betty W. Please read. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. keep you until then, please. Mary B., right? Mary B., sorry.
17: (laughs) Okay, Janice, can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Thank you very much, very much. My pleasure. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.